So there's a couple of readings tonight. We're going to start in Colossians 3, uh, verses 18 to 19. And then after that, we'll flip to Ephesians chapter 5. Um, and we'll read verses 21 to 33. So Colossians 3, 18 to 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now flip. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Friends, it would be helpful if you had your Bibles out in front of you as we look at this passage, and uh, remembering that all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's for your good and for your encouragement and mine as well. And um, let me say, being captivated by Christ, which is our theme, impacts everything, including all our personal relationships, our marriages, our families and our workplaces. Now, in your Bible study groups this week, you will cover husbands and wives from Colossians, you will cover parents and children, and you will cover slaves and masters and how we might apply that today in the 21st century. Today, I'm going to stick simply to the uh, husbands and wives and explore what that means and what it doesn't mean, what the Bible says and what it doesn't say to help guide us in God's truth. We saw last week, uh, for those who are here, that we have died with Christ in chapter 3 or chapter 2. We've been raised with Christ and as David said, we had to set our hearts and minds on things above. I mean, Pastor David, not the Apostle David, all right? Apostle Paul writes that, and David preached on that last week. And we had to put off ungodliness, and we had to put on Christ-like characteristics. In Colossians 3, 12 to 14, we saw what some of those uh, characteristics are. Every Christian believer, men, men and women, should be filled with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We had to bear with each other, forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us, and we are called to love one another. If that is true for all Christians in all situations, how much more so in a marriage relationship? These truths, these characteristics ought to be displayed. But let me say up front right here in this sermon, as we talk about submission and Christ-like headship or leadership in marriage, that domestic violence, control and manipulation, disrespect, bullying, 
has no place in Christian marriages. Sadly, some men have abused these texts to justify their sinful behaviour. And therefore, at some times, it's difficult to speak on these topics because even as you hear some of these words, wives submit to your husbands, since you heard those words, some of you went, no, not listening, not going to do that. There's automatic reaction uh, to the word of God where it says that. Sam Storms writes in the Hope of Glory, a book, he says, there is a sense in which I address the issue of submission with a measure of reluctance and hesitation. It isn't because I'm in doubt about what the scripture says on the subject or because I'm, I'm uncertain of my own beliefs. It has to do with the widespread misunderstandings about the nature of headship and submission. Many think that headship and submission mean that a wife must sit passively and endure the sin and abuse of the husband as if submission means she has no right to stand up for what is true or good and resist her husband's evil ways. Perhaps, he says, some of you come from families in which the husband was an insensitive bully and where it was assumed that it was the wife's duty to tolerate this silently. God's word does not call upon a wife to acquiesce to brutality or thievery or abuse. That is not what God's word says. Colossians 3, 18 and 19, Paul writes, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Secondly, husbands, you have a responsibility as well. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Very brief. The, same, the apostle who wrote that in Colossians wrote a longer passage in Ephesians 5 that was also read to us. And it makes sense to look at that longer passage uh, tonight. The first thing is that marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. When you think about marriage... You think of a husband and wife, the first thing you ought to think about is Christ and his church. That's the point of this passage. When you think about marriage, don't just think about marriage, because marriage points us to something far greater, marriage of Christ and his church. In Ephesians 5.31 is a quotation of Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That's Bible's teaching right from Genesis, and uh, Paul just reaffirms that. Man and, wife, man and uh, woman, uh, they leave their families, they come together, they're now married, they now love one another, they make commitments to one another, and they will become one flesh, they're united, uh, spiritually united to physically, and it's a beautiful thing. But then he says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So in the middle of talking about the marriage, he said, well, what I'm really talking about, what really matters, what is the big issue here, is not about human marriage, but Christ and his church. And John Piper writes... The mystery is this, God did not create the union of Christ and the church after the pattern of human marriage, just the reverse. Think about that. He created human marriage on the pattern of Christ's relation to the church. He says, I want my Christ to have a relation with his church and I want marriage to look like that. Marriage is a parable or a symbol of Christ's relation to the church. When God engaged to create man and woman, Piper writes, and to ordain the union of marriage, he didn't roll a dice or draw straws or flip a coin as to how they might be related to each other. He patterned marriage very purposefully after the relationship between his son and the church, which he planned from all eternity. Think about marriage. Think about Christ and his church. Secondly, I want to suggest to you that submissiveness is a universal Christian obligation. Bible says in Ephesians 5, uh, there, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
In fact, uh, this verse is a continuation of what happened earlier. So if you have Ephesians 5 there, from verse uh, 18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine. I'm just going to try and give you a sense of how the Greek reads here. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you are speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You are singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. And you are giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. That's the readings. So it's continuous. It's in the present participle. It's saying, this is what we do, as well as thanking God, as well as singing. One of the things we do as Christians is we are submitting people, right? And you'll know that uh, the Bible says that we are to submit to God. We are to submit to Romans 13, to the government authorities. And we're told, you're told uh, in Hebrews uh, 13 that you are to submit to your spiritual leaders in church. So submitting is part of what we do, and in our basic relationships, we submit to one another, we put one another first, we humble ourselves, we seek to raise up the other person. So although people don't like the word submit, Christians ought to be the best submitters in every aspect of life. We don't go for our own way, we humble ourselves, we seek the best for the other person. This verse 21 is in fact a transition verse comes from the past, leads into the future. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ's wives, to your husbands. And what happens in the first century, you have what they call household codes. They normally give instructions uh, uh, to children, um, and they give instructions to wives, they give instructions to uh, slaves on how they ought to behave. But what Paul does is he Christianizes it. He doesn't simply speak to the ones who are under some leadership or authority, now speaks to those who have a leadership responsibility, a care responsibility, to act in a certain way as well. In each pair of relationships, the person who has a position of authority or leadership is also called to exercise that authority or leadership in a loving and unselfish way, for the authority comes from God. In doing so, they demonstrate in the Christian church submissiveness is to be mutual. Now, husbands and wives are to submit to each other differently depending on their role, but they do submit to each other in some sense. Husbands are to love their wives and to care for them. Parents are not to provoke their children, but bring them up sensitively. And masters are not to threaten their slave, but treat them with justice. Paul is very clear. If you have some responsibility of leadership, then you have to act in a loving and a godly way. And I suggest to you that submission and love are two aspects of the same thing. Think it through for a moment. How do you define submit and love? Sure, I've already said there seems to be some role differentiation between the husband and the wife. But what does it mean to submit? As I've indicated, you give oneself up for somebody. You're amenable. You give way. You respect others. You honor the other person above yourself. And we do submitting in a variety of ways. But what does it mean to love? To give oneself up for somebody else. To serve someone. To put others first. To respect others. Dying for others. Both submitting and love is, in one sense, an act of love for the good of someone else. The submission and love are two aspects of the very same thing, namely of that selfless self-giving, which is the foundation of an enduring and growing marriage. Different roles for husband and wife, but they, in one sense, are submit to one another, some with love, some with submission. So where does the wife take her special cues? If you read your Bible, the wife takes her cues, takes her instructions from the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 21st century world, eh? And we're still reading these verses. You throw them out, rip them out of your Bible, don't address them, don't think about them. What do you think about them and see what God has to say? Christian wives, let me make this very clear, are called to voluntarily submit to the headship or the loving sacrificial leadership of their husbands. Husbands are not to force submission. Sometimes men will say, Bible says you should listen to me, do this. No, 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 that's not your right. The husband's right or responsibility is to lay down his life for his wife. He'll get his instruction in a moment. We'll come to what God asked the husband to do. But wives are called to submit, to respect, to honour their husbands. John Stott writes that about this passage. Although in the other passages, Paul grounds the fact of the husband's headship in the order of creation. You can read 1 Corinthians 11. You can read 1 Timothy chapter 2. But here he defines the relationship to headship in light of Christ the Redeemer. Christ is a saviour. Christ comes to bring good things for you. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is itself its saviour. So Christ's headship expresses care rather than control, responsibility rather than rule. He's the saviour. So Christ comes to save the church. In a similar way, the husband's role is to bring life to, to the wife, not to bring her down to hurt her. The characteristic of his headship is not so much lordship as saviourhood. And when the husband, his headship resembles Christ of his church, then the wife's submission will resemble the church's. As the church is subject to Christ, verse 24, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Marcus Barth, another writer on this, he says, the submission to and respect for the husband to which the wife is specifically admonished here, is by no means the submissiveness of a pussycat or a crouching dog. Paul is thinking of a voluntary, free, joyful and thankful partnership as the analogy of the relationship of the church to Christ shows. Rick Warren, who's uh, formerly the pastor at Saddleback Church in the United States and uh, wrote The Purpose Driven Life, amongst other, other books, recently retired. He tells the story uh, of a woman called Liz Curtis Higgs. A renowned author back in the United States, well-known disc jockey from the past, and she lived quite a wild life, uh, a wild lifestyle, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. And one of her colleagues said to her once, they said, Liz, you need to clean up your act. If you don't get your life together, you're going to end up dead. And, uh, but she was an unhappy woman. She was a militant feminist. She had her heart broken and been abused by men multiple times. And she wanted nothing to do with men. And her life was spiralling out of control. She had a Christian friend who worked with her. And this uh, Christian friend kept inviting her to church. And one day, Liz said, I'll come to you. I'll come with you to church, but once and once only. So this woman, angry at the world, didn't believe in God. Militant feminists. Men are bad. She turns up to church. Rick Warren preaches on which passage? Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. God's got a sense of humor sometimes. She hears that thinking, the first time I go to church and I'm told to submit. And then as she was listening, being, becoming angry, it got to the second part. 
And then he said, and husbands, you sacrifice yourself. You give yourself for your wife just as Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for the church and died for her. All of a sudden she went, well, what did he say? It's not simply an instruction for wives, it's an instruction for husbands. Most people don't hear that second part. And then she turned to her friend and said, well, shoot me, I'm glad to give myself to any man if I knew he would die for me. And her friend used this as an evangelistic opportunity and she said, Liz, there is a man who loved you enough to die for you. His name is Jesus Christ. That's how much he loves you. On the eighth visit to the church, she'd already snuck into the choir, was now singing part of the choir before she was even a Christian. She just got out of the choir during a baptismal service, walked down and got baptized, became a follower of Jesus Christ. Angry at God, didn't like the word of God. Can I encourage you to bring people to church? You may be here for the first time thinking today, how did I end up in this church and they're talking about this topic? Seriously? Who invited me? I hate you, my friend. You could be thinking that. Some of you may be here for the first time thinking, wow, I didn't think I'd get that today. Love, submission, sacrifice. Let me tell you what submission doesn't mean. I feel stupid even saying these things, but in the modern age, I need to say because people misuse these texts and make God's word out to be faulty, to make God's word out to be bad instead of good and a blessing. It does not mean that a woman is inferior. Men and women are equally created before God, created in his image. We're all valuable. Uh, we're all joint heirs of eternal life. Christ loves us all. We're all valuable. Uh, women uh, and wives are brilliant and gifted and well-changing, and God is using them for his glory. This is not about inferiority. Secondly, it does not mean that women should not express an opinion or be involved in decision-making. That's just dumb, isn't it? And people say, oh, no, no, well, I'm the leader, I'm the boss. I mean, you can be... You can only say that when you're so full of yourself and so sinful, don't you think? Because in any partnership and a relationship, my wife and I, we talk about things to decide together where you're going to go to church and when you're going to buy a house or how you spend your money. The thought of me doing that without reference to my wife, I mean, I'd be divorced by now, right? I think, who would do that? Sadly, some people do it. Let me say You have smart, brilliant, gifted wives. Listen to advice. It does not mean that women should not work outside the home. It's not the 1950s, right? You know, husbands and wives, they can decide who works where and does whatever. One of my friends, um, I was a, a groomsman for many years ago, and uh, they had their first baby, and his wife earned more money, and he, she didn't want to stay home with the baby, so he was the, one of the, the, the first men to stay home with the baby. I loved it. You do whatever you like in your marriage. There's no instruction here, wife must do this, husband must do this. You work it out. Don't let external rules come in by people. It does not mean that women sh- uh, should do all the, all the housework. forgot about that one. I would suggest to you there's no such thing as women's work and men's work. Right? Now, some of you go, yeah, yeah, but I, I do all the gardening, I do this, I do the building. And sure, on average, in certain things, men are more likely to do it than women, but that's not a law of God, right? You just work out your relationship, whatever works. My wife's a fabulous cook. I couldn't cook anything. So I wash, I clean, I iron, I do the gardens, do all the other things. It does not mean that women should put up with physical violence. 
Sometimes people think, oh, I just have to submit. No, 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 if they are violent against you, you go to the police. Right? We've gone with women to the police when people have been violent against them. We're talking about loving servers. We're not talking about putting up with abuse. It does not mean that women should be treated as slaves or servants. It does not mean that women should be manipulated. It does not mean that women should follow their husbands into sin. As I've had women say to me, my husband wants me to be involved in this type of sinful behaviour. And they said, but it says I should submit in everything. No, 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 you submit to God first, right? It's all relative. If, you know, if he's causing you to sin and wants you to be involved in a swinging club, for example, real story, let's go out with some others, or let's go and do this, or let's watch pornography together, or let's do something else, say no. You don't just, you don't just do everything, of course. It's, oh, he says I should submit in everything. In all types of things, what the everything means. You do what is fitting in the Lord. I was talking to someone after the morning service telling me about her story. I can't say too much. It's a personal story of someone. She said, what you described was my husband. 40 years. Thank you for giving me another perspective. Because all I got was, no, just hang in there. Just hang in there. But it does mean, for example, that wives, as they say on their wedding days, I will honour, love and respect my husband, right? And live that out. And sure that as wives that you do love your husband, you do contribute to your husband, you do give him his right of way sometimes. Don't just simply have your own way because it's a two-way relationship. Thirdly, the husband is to take his special cues from Christ. So the husband must love his wife as Christ loved his church. I want to suggest to you this is a difficult task. I think it's impossible. We can go to the next uh, PowerPoint, great. If you think submission is hard, wives, then what men are asked to do, husband, not men, husbands are asked to do, is impossible. So read them both together. I am called to so love my wife that I'm willing to give up my life for her. I'll put away my interests. I will die. I will take the hits. I'll do whatever because I want her to reach her potential in Christ. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Listen, husbands. To make her, this is what Christ did, to make her holy and cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. He says Christ works so well and so powerfully to make his church beautiful. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Ever each of you must love his own wife as he loves himself, the wife must respect her husband. I love that. Husbands, love your wife as your own body. I get up in the morning, I eat, I might have my coffee, I dress, I put deodorant on, I have a nice shower, do my hair. I'm looking after my body. I exercise, I try not, not to eat too many cakes, but I fail, but I try. I'm trying to do what's right after my, look after myself. And Paul said, listen, just like you look after yourself, look after your wife. Care for her. John Piper puts it this way. He says, the husband who plops himself in front of the television and orders his wife around like a slave has abandoned the way of Christ. 
Jesus bowed himself with a towel and washed his disciples' feet. Woe to the husband who thinks his maleness requires of him a domineering attitude toward his wife. If you want to be a Christian husband, you become a servant, not a boss. I say, husbands, listen carefully. And potential husbands, listen carefully. And future husbands, listen carefully. Christ did not crush the church. He brought life to the church. He brought salvation to the church. He sacrificed himself to serve her in order that she might become everything he longed for, namely herself in the fullness of her glory. Friends, let me conclude. We talk about uh, marriage points us to Christ and his church relationship. We talk about the fact that there's a mutual submissiveness that we submit in different ways because of our role relationships in marriage, but we do submit to one another, love one another. Wives take their cues from the church. Husbands take their cues from the Lord Jesus who gave his life for us. And now uh, I read a, a testimony from a woman called Rebecca McLaughlin. We'll have her on the screen in a moment. Um, she has written a book, Confronting Christianity, and a number of other books. She is one of the leading Christian writers and defenders of the faith. We call her an apologist. She won the 2020 Christianity Today book. And she is like a lot of uh, Christian women today in the 21st century in our world. And she wrote a book called, or an article called Confessions of a Reluctant Complementarian. Complementarian says that uh, God has made men and women complementary, and we have slightly different. Uh, roles in marriage and in church leadership, those two areas. She says, I was an undergraduate at Cambridge when I first encountered Ephesians 5.22. What does it say? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wow. She says, I came from an academically driven, equality-orientated, single-sex high school. I was now studying in a majority male college, and I was repulsed by that verse, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. You've got to be kidding me, she said. Three major problems with this verse. The first was that wives should submit. I knew women who were just as competent as men. They shouldn't be submitting to anyone. They should just make the decisions on whoever's brighter. Secondly, second one was the idea that wives should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. So there's one thing submitting to Jesus Christ, the self-sacrificing king of the universe. It's quite another to offer that kind of submission to a fallible, sinful man. Third problem. The third of which perhaps grieved me most, she says, was how harmful this verse was to my witness. That's what she's saying in all of this. God's word is harmful to my witness. She says, I was offering my friends, as an evangelist she was, as I was offering my friends a radical narrative of power inversion, in which the creator God laid down his life, in which the poor outclassed the rich, and which the outcast became family in the church. The gospel was a consuming fire of love across difference to burn up racial injustice and socioeconomic exploitation. And yet here was this horrifying verse promoting, she says, the subjugation of women. Jesus had elevated women to an equal status with men. It seemed that Paul was now pushing them back down. This verse ruined my witness. What was her resolution? How did she sort it all out? Because it's in the Bible, right? said, I tried really hard to explain Ephesians 5.22 away. Like I mentioned earlier, she said, well, the word submit only comes up generally about everyone. Maybe it doesn't refer to husbands and wives. But she said the rest of the passage talked about husbands and wives differently. 
didn't stick. The roles of husbands and wives described in the following verses seemed simply to be different. I couldn't just get away with it. And also, it wasn't just Ephesians 5, it was Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3 as well. I seem cornered, she said. How can I get out of this? How can I reinterpret this verse so it doesn't mean what it says? So then I turned my attention. No one's ever put it this way before. I turned my attention to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Christ love the church? By dying on the cross, by giving himself naked and bleeding to suffer for her, by putting her needs above his own, by giving everything for her. And then I asked myself, how would I feel if this was the command to wives? Not to husbands, but to wives now. Wives, love your husbands to the point of death, putting his needs above yours and sacrificing yourself for him. Wives, submit to your husbands is often critiqued as a mandate for spousal abuse. Tragically, it has sometimes been used that way. But the command to husbands makes this reading impossible. How much more easily could an abuser twist a verse calling his wife to suffer for him, to give herself up for him or to die for him? And yet that is the command to Christian husbands, to die for their wives. He says, if the gospel is true, none of us come to the table with rights. The only way in is flat on your face before God. If I want to hold on to my fundamental right to self-determination, I must reject the message of Jesus because he calls me to submit completely to him, to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. Then she says the penny dropped. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. This model is not about my individual wife and husband. It's about Jesus and the church. God created sex and marriage to give us a glimpse of his intimacy with us. Our roles in this great marriage are not interchangeable. Jesus gives himself for us. We submit to him. So as Ephesians 5.22 used to repulse me, now it convicts me and calls me toward Jesus, the true husband who satisfies our needs, the one man who deserves our submission. May God help us to submit to Christ and then to be obedient to his word as he reveals it in, his, in the scriptures. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you, most importantly, that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that we would be reconciled to you. We thank you, God, that the ultimate marriage is the marriage of Christ and his church. It is our prayer, Lord God, that our human marriages would image that marriage. We pray that our human marriages would imitate that relationship. And that we would be submissive of one another, that we would lead with compassion and grace, and God, that you would be honoured and glorified. We pray against abuse, we pray against manipulation, we pray against evil, and we pray against the abuse of these texts. Help us to honour your word and to find out how to live loving and compassionate lives together in our marriages. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.